What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast about future-focused parenting. Okay, so today uh, our topic for this episode is peaceful co-parenting. So really we're talking to our listeners who are maybe uh, in the middle of a divorce or contemplating a divorce or possibly in a blended family and maybe a result of a divorce or not. Um, and so what it's like to parent with your former partner in a way that's good for the kids, in a way that's good for you, in that possibly is a way that's good for the new step parent that's in the relationship. There's a lot of stuff in there. Um, so we're going to start with our whys. I don't really have a ton to say on this topic. I am currently in my first marriage, so um, not having to deal with co-parenting. But what I will say before I hand over to Dina, because I am going to let her do the bulk of the talking today, um, is that I, I am the child of peaceful co-parents. Um, so my parents divorced when I was 12. Well, they separated when I was 12, divorced when I was 13. Um, and did a miraculous job of co-parenting. And I look back on that now and I think how, how hard that must have been because there was hurt there between them. Um, and yet they, they really never let that show. And they didn't when they were married either. I mean, the divorce was kind of a surprise because they never fought. Mm. Um, so it would kind of shocked me a little bit. Um, so I guess they must have just kept doing whatever they were doing before. But they did a, an amazing job of working as a team. We still had family meetings. Um, we still went for dinner together. Um, when a milestone happened for me at school, they both were there and they both took me out and celebrated. Um, when I came home from college, they both picked me up at the airport. And they became, I think, ultimately friends. Um, and as I've shared in past episodes, my dad ended up caring for my mom when she got sick until she died. So whatever however that unfolded for them I'll probably never really know what that was like for them but for me I never really lost my sense of family I definitely felt like I had two parents they were both involved um and you know I may have lived in two different homes and that had its the parts that were hard but the feeling of family never shifted for me um and that was pretty awesome so and I have seen you Dina do this so beautifully with your former spouse um and so I think our listeners who may be dealing with this or thinking about this are going to really benefit from hearing how you guys handled that because I think your kids are super well adjusted um, and, and really saw exactly what I experienced modeled for them. Um, so I'm dying to hear all the things you have to say. All so the go ahead. Tell us, tell us your why and your how. Oh, yes. The, well, the why was pretty easy. Their names are Sienna and Mark. <laughs> and for me, this was just about keeping co-parenting about parenting. So what happened? Oh, and I should say, just upfront disclaimer, I actually called my ex and made sure this was okay with him, that I talk about, hey, can I talk about how we navigate this? I think we do a pretty great job, so you don't have to be nervous. I'm not going to say anything terrible, but I, I wanted it to be okay with him because I'm talking about strategies that we use, not me and my current husband. So, or not as much anyway, he's definitely there, but it's a little more peripheral for him, uh, that impact. So Anyway, he is a-okay with me talking about that. I just want to say that. And so my reasons were Sienna and Mark. They are the why. Co-parenting is when the relationship moves from being a partnership to just being about parenting, which means it's about the kids. It has to quit being about whatever happened between the two of you, and it has to start becoming about the kids. 
I want to go on record and say, yes, easier said than done, especially if there was a contentious divorce or if there's a lot of hurt or if the marriage really imploded in some fantastic, spectacular way. That isn't necessarily an overnight proposition. And to be fair, it, it wasn't even for uh, my ex and myself. It, it took us time to get where we are now. But one thing we did well right from the start was keeping it about the kids. And if we had to talk offline about something between us, then we did that, but not in front of them or as much as possible. So I want to start with foundational cardinal rule one. If you can't do anything else that I suggest today, if it's truly impractical or distance prevents it, because sometimes once a couple isn't together, they don't even live in the same state, or say there's just a lot of animosity and some of these things aren't going to be practical, then I would say if you take nothing else away, take this. And that is the rule number one is you don't ever say anything negative about the other biological parent in front of your children. It's just absolutely detrimental for a few reasons. And but there's two that I want to really mention. One is how ouchy for a kid because you are insulting half of them. Mm -hmm. That is they are half you and half your former partner. And you've just insulted something that makes up half of their identity. And so then they're thinking, well, I must not be that great because this person who made me your thing is terrible. So that's really detrimental to the kids. But the other thing is a lot of parents do this unwittingly or on purpose, thinking it will endear the child to them. Mm -hmm. If I can just show them how rotten the other person is, they'll like me. They'll prefer me. They'll rather come to my house for visitation. Does the exact opposite. They will resent you for doing that and they will run to the other parent and become more fiercely loyal to them and you'll lose a really special opportunity to have them maybe confide in you later if things are rough I always wanted my home to be just safe for all of it but I have to keep myself under wraps my kids can be frustrated and I don't even mind I've even told them in our house we don't have secrets if you have a frustrating time while you're with me feel free to go talk to your dad about it we don't want to create this environment of like no don't tell your dad that that mm. happened while you were here right. I, I just I I can't emphasize this enough this is the biggest one and so like I said there's going to be other things I'm going to talk about and some just practical ideas but please, if there's anything you can do, just don't slam the other parent. How did you do that when you really wanted to slam the other parent? Because well, no matter what, you know, you and, and your former spouse have really come to a great place. And, and But when there's hurt, yeah, you know, like it doesn't even matter who's right and who's wrong. There's going to be times where you just want to like oh, punch sure. someone in the face. And so how did you do that in those moments, especially when possibly your children were defending the action mm -hmm. or, I mean, I just can't even imagine how tricky that is. Well, so two things. Let's admit, I didn't do it perfectly. Okay. Good okay. So, yeah. and I don't think my ex would argue that he has either. We've both slipped up, like dropped the occasional like insult of the other. The... The key there is I did do my best to circle back around with my kids and say, you know what? That is wrong. Mm. That is not okay. That's your dad. You absolutely have the right to continue to love him, mm -hmm. be close to him. And what happened between he and I, that's really just, I don't even need to be talking about that around you. And that was not okay. Mm. I mean, unapologetically saying what I did was not okay. Like, just don't sugarcoat it. Oh, but I was really mad. Mm. I've gotten better at just saying, oh, way not fine. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Mm -hmm. 
So I want to be upfront. It's not like I've never said an unkind word about my ex. Please, I'm not an unrealistic, I'm not an angel in that area. And he even knows that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've ended up having to circle back around with him and say, oh my goodness, I said this in front of the kids and you're probably going to hear about it. Mm. And I just want you to know I'm sorry. That was not okay. So we've even talked to each other when we've had slip-ups like this. So that's the first thing is... I don't want to give the illusion that I've done that perfectly. But on the whole, you, on you, the whole, you had it in your head to avoid it yes, as much as possible. Yes, and it's my biggest thing. And I'm also very careful about that with my stepchildren. Mm. I do not say an unkind word about their biological mom. That's their mom. I'm not mom. That's mom. Mm-hmm. So that's just a hard line for me. Does it mean I've never crossed it? No. But it means I always come back. It's like coming back to your why in parenting. Mm-hmm. I always come back to, remember, that's not good for the kids. Remember, that's not good for the kids. So that's number one. I didn't do it perfectly. But to really answer your question, I vented elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I made sure my kids weren't around and that I had a good support system. And there there is an appropriate place for verbal venting. I'm kind of a verbal processor anyway. I have to talk things through. And so I never wanted to just become a slam fest. But I did have trusted friends that I knew I could call. I did know that I could talk to trusted advisors or mentors, people who are older than me, who were further down the road were another really good resource for me. So I have some friends who are in blended families, but are way further down, like they're in year 30 of their second marriage. And those were great resources too, to be able to look back and go, yeah, at the beginning, that was hard for me too. That made me feel like, oh, I'm not nuts. I'm just normal, (laughs) that this is still really hard and fresh and gross. And now it's so rare. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, a minor it's like the difference between a minor irritation and a gaping wound so it doesn't mean that he and i won't sometimes disagree on something or feel that little familiar friction rise up but it's so small by comparison to what we were dealing with in the beginning and we've now been fully divorced for eight years and apart for 10 years and apart for 12 so i mean we had time so i want to encourage people too if you're in the newer part don't expect it to be all unicorns and rainbows right away but i would say make sure there's some other people in your corner that you can talk to because airing that out in front of the kids is no good so that's the rule number one but there are a couple practical things and you actually mentioned one of them so i'm so glad you did and that is when there's events whenever possible don't make this a battleground for your kids so one of the things i would say is if you have the bandwidth for it and that works for your relationship when you can sit together And the reason for that is then when they come off the court, if it's a sporting event or down from the risers, if it's a choir concert, they aren't having to look and choose who to go to first. That is stressful for them. And they're going to automatically be thinking, whoever I go to first, I've just hurt the other parent because they're going to notice I walked over to dad and didn't come to her or whatever. And I just... Whenever possible, I don't want to make my kids feel like they have to choose. That's well, so stressful. And can I just say, you, of may, you may not even know this because obviously I'm I'm your kids, right? Like I'm, yes. I'm in your kids' shoes. Yes, share. But it not only do you remove that piece, but like I'm going to get all teary just talking about this, but like you still see your parents together. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like because my parents did the same thing. They always sat together. And when I looked up, because I did theater growing up, right? When I looked out in the audience, like my mom and dad were still there. My family Mm -hmm. came to see me and they were right there. And so I think that so contributed to my heart feeling like I still had a family. They may not be together, but they're together for me. So even though I never thought about, because I never, they never did that to me. So I never had to pick. Mm -hmm. So I never thought about that angle. But you saying that made me remember what that was like 
to see them together. Yes, how huge yeah. that that wasn't taken away from you. And I I think that, see, look, that like still made you emotional all those years later. So it's a big deal. Now, I want to say that isn't possible for everybody. It might just, it's not going to be good to sit by each other. Or maybe you've both remarried and it's uncomfortable with step-parents in the picture or whatever. But then what I would say is then you have work to do because now you've made it so your kiddo has to choose. So you have to make sure you're fine with whatever they choose. You can't be sitting there fuming, oh, they went over there first. Mm. And so one one way, I and I don't think my kids even do this on purpose, but something I've noticed is they've just started going to whoever, they go to the parent first that they're not going home with. Mm. Because it's like, I get to have them all night later. I'm going to go see this one because they're going to drive home and not with me. And I don't even know how much of that is conscious, like I said, but I've just watched that little pattern develop. If they're, if I've gone to the school concert, but it's my night, they go and talk to their dad afterwards because they're coming home with me. We can we can process later and debrief. And and that's I've just learned to be great with that. Like, good, they should get to see him because they're not spending the night with him tonight. So that's kind of work you do as the adult to just mm-hmm. get okay with that if they walk over there first and don't make it gross. Do you think as a parent you can actually suggest it? Like, hey, you're coming home with me tonight, so why don't you go see your dad first? Like almost giving the permission to mm-hmm. not come to you first so that you at least, even if you're – co-parent isn't able to do this you're at least sending the message to your child it's okay we're cool you know and i love that you used the term give permission because it can sound a little bit too parenty but it's actually perfect Mm -hmm. kids need to know they have permission to still love both parents right they need to feel free to do that there's this proverb that says when two elephants fight it's the grass that suffers and don't make your kids be the grass so if you guys can be grown up enough to say hey yeah i'm gonna actually encourage go go see the other parent first after this event or i'm going to encourage time with that parent it is huge in them feeling like i have permission to love everybody i don't have to pick a side they shouldn't have to pick a side these are their parents and on that same note one of our just and i guess this is almost an unspoken policy but when my ex or myself calls the other one and says, hey, could I borrow, so to speak, so-and-so? It's it's your weekend, but I'd really like to take them to this, and here's the date we can do it. We have made it a policy that really, unless there's something huge, we say yes to that. We are not going to be, well, that's my time. Mm. Look at the message that sends, like, now your children are a pawn in this kind of yucky game. We don't ever want to do that. So if my ex calls and wants to take the kids to a concert and happens to follow my weekend, Yes, go. If I say, hey, can I take the kids to lunch just the way these weekends worked out? I haven't seen them in a few days or whatever. He's like, yes, absolutely. So we have this kind of unspoken rule that we encourage time with that other parent. We say, yeah, you enjoy that. And I still, my kids are going to be 15 on Saturday and the other one is 16 and a half. And I still, I did it just today. I say, have a great night with your dad. Mm. I tell them to have fun. Mm-hmm. I don't make it like, ugh, begrudging, I'll see you tomorrow. It's This is your time. Enjoy that. And it seems really silly, but it's a small, another small way of giving permission. Just you have a great time. You enjoy that time together. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a big thing with events. And um, my daughter, Sienna, actually said to me recently, I love that you haven't robbed me of pictures with both of my parents. So when she has an event, we get over ourselves for a minute and we both stand with her in the picture. And I hope we'll continue to do that for graduations, for her wedding. She deserves that. Mm-hmm. So is it anybody's favorite? No, let me tell you, as the stepmom, it's not my favorite. Mm. When my husband and his ex take a picture with their children, 
I don't particularly, just being real, like here's the human part. I don't particularly like seeing them literally framed mm. by my cell phone camera and looking like, oh, they're back to being this little happy family. That's kind of hard for mm. me, like seeing them look like a couple again. I'm like, hmm, I have to deal with some feelings about that. But we just had this happen a year ago when our oldest graduated. He wanted a picture with both his parents. Guess what? He should get that. Mm -hmm. And so I actually took the picture and I felt like that was a growth moment for me because it wasn't the easiest. But what did I just say? It wasn't easy for me. Right. And again, it's about getting the adults out of the way because this is about the kiddo. And that's a huge thing. He graduated from high school. He's sharing that with his mom and dad. Yeah. That's the big E on the eye chart. And so as the events come, that's my encouragement is if it's friendly enough, sit together. But if not, don't deprive them of pictures together if that's what they want. And don't make them feel like they have to pick a side. What do you think you do? I mean, again, you and your ex-husband, for the most part, get along really well and, and have that same goal. What do you think you do if one parent sees that and the other parent just can't get there? Yeah, that's... Like, what's the... That's hard. I hope the parent that sees it is you listening. (laughs) That's what I'm going to say. Because if you have a faith paradigm, there's literally a verse in the Bible that says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But say you don't, even if you that's not your thing at all. We all know that the only person's behavior you're really responsible for is your own. Mm -hmm. And so that's when it becomes, well, I can see they're not going to join me on this, but I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to be gracious about, hey, yes, go ahead, spend time with them. You know what? You're coming home with me tonight. Why don't you go say hi to dad after the concert? Spend some time with him first. Chat for a minute. So you choose to do those things. And what I will say is it doesn't always happen, so I don't want to give some kind of guarantee per se, but often living in that way, the other parent does see that and gets on the bus. It might take years, Mm. but they realize that's actually more productive and better for the child. And then they might start to emulate that. So you get a chance to kind of be an example even to another adult. Yeah, and I suppose even if that adult never gets on board, your child will see that you always tried. You always tried to to meet the other parent halfway. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that you at least put in that effort. So I think that that one is really huge. Another one is, and we talked a little bit about this when we've discussed boundaries and things like that, but when possible and as long as it's reasonable, I try to back up the other home. Mm. So we, my ex and I don't parent precisely the same way. I don't expect that. But if there is a, a consequence that needs handed down or a policy that they've implemented, within reason, I just match it. And that's another way I communicate to my children that even though we aren't married anymore, or say you weren't married, even if, okay, so we aren't together anymore, mm-hmm. but we still work somewhat as a team when it comes to parenting and that they get to see that it's not like, well, I can I can cope with this for a few days because in two days I'm back at dad's and it won't be that way. And as much as possible, we wanted to avoid that where they're kind of, well, I'll just hang in there because now I'm going to be at the other house and it's not, they're not going to do that. Mm. It's really interesting when they go to the other house and it is still like that. <laughs> like, oh, I see. You guys are actually on the same page about this. That sends a really strong message. But it also, even if they don't like the particular boundary or whatever it is, I think it also sends a really big message of care and concern mm. and love. Like, we love you enough to make sure that this gets this issue that cropped up gets dealt with. And so we're going to deal with it in a unifying way across both homes. So that's a way you can really respect the other parent. Now, there might be times where you have to say no, or you just don't even tell them. 
I, I mean, that happens. I'm not I'm not saying everyone is quite as communicative as maybe we are. We're pretty communicative about, hey, this happened and this is what I had to enforce. Are you willing to do that? That isn't a reality for everyone. But if you're in a position where you can do that, I suggest it if it's reasonable and where it matches with how you would parent. I just think that's kind. And again, in that parenting on the same page episode, we talked about that unity piece and being able to give any semblance of unity after the ultimate in disunity when a marriage breaks apart or when a couplehood breaks apart is it sends a pretty big message to a child. Yeah. To be able to do that. So I think that's big. Um, there's just so much here to unpack. I feel very challenged to squeeze it all in. But another one that I definitely want to mention is when new parents do come on the scene, how that gets handled. Because even though now I'm parenting with a spouse, I have an ex-spouse and everyone needs to be considered. And now my children technically have four somewhat parental figures and that's really tricky. So one one thing we've done is made it a policy that biological parents win. So absolutely, my husband weighs in, my ex's wife weighs in, and they have a say. They're in the household. Mm -hmm. But if there's a hard impasse, then my ex and I win. So for things like a really good example for this is schooling, the education choices. Almost every year, we have to revisit private school because it's expensive. Is it going to still be doable? Do we still feel like the the benefit cost ratio is in our favor? All of these things. And certainly at different times, my spouse and my ex's spouse have weighed in with different ideas. Maybe we should try this. What about public school? What about a different kind of private school? What about homeschool? And we have homeschooled at various times, but they they have a voice in that. But at the end of the day, it's my ex and I who decide where Sienna and Mark go to school. Mm -hmm. So that would be a really good example. Uh, that's a pretty big issue. I think also things like medical care or how you handle that mm -hmm. in your home, is that's huge. And some families are a lot more holistic. And we're going to go to a naturopath. And some people are like, I prefer my MD. Well, on that, bio parents have to win. And what they've decided and maybe what they decided even when they were still together sometimes has to win. That's just a respect piece. And... I'm really blessed my husband gets that. He will weigh in, but he's always like, you guys decide that. And he's very respectful in that regard. And I feel very thankful. I know that's not always the case, but I would encourage it. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that a, a child who is dealing with co-parents is watching very closely. And that's just always a good thing to remember, even over simple things like where you go to the doctor or the dentist. My ex, bless his heart, has driven to Marysville twice a year because I just want to keep the same dentist. Mm. <laughs> and we lived in Marysville when we were married. And for those of you, it, it might mean nothing, but in the Puget Sound region, I'm down more by Seattle. So it's like a serious drive. But he's been able to say it's only twice a year and it's the same dentist they've had since the beginning. I mean, he's the very first person who ever looked at their little pearly whites. Mm. And I just like that consistency, especially for my kids who've had so much inconsistency. Mm -hmm. They've been through a divorce. They've been through, through moves. They've been through school changes, church changes, new parents on the scene, new siblings on the scene. 
you know what? If I have the power to keep the dentist the same, <laughs> I'm going to do that. We just keep the you dentist can, can the same. just keep something? But what do you think you would have done? Like, I have a really good friend who's in a co-parenting situation that's just really not as amicable. And she is doing the best that she can. But she's just coming up against a partner who absolutely would not drive to Marysville. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, almost just to just to make her more upset uh, yes, yes, would yes. not drive to Marysville. Uh. So, uh, you know... It, what do you do with that? Yeah, that's hard. And then it and then it becomes issue by issue, I think. Because if you have a difficult person that you're interacting with, a difficult ex, and an ex like that who might almost just for spite, like, I just want to make it harder. Yeah, basically. Or I'm just going to pick a fight wherever I can pick a fight. Then it becomes issue by issue. And what I mean by that is maybe then the dentist, you let it go. Right. It's twice a year. But maybe on something more critical, hey, where your kids spend seven hours of the day, maybe the school thing you're going to choose, like, I'm going to give this one a go. This is an issue I'm going to pick and I'm going to choose to stand on it. Or something around your kids' emo- emotional or mental health. I think you said this in a previous episode that we really, this is a lot about advocacy as parents. We are our children's advocate. And so for me, that's kind of a line that that's where it doesn't get crossed. I have to advocate for Sienna and Mark and what I truly believe to be best for them. So those are the ones where I might be willing to disagree with my ex. I think this is actually best for them. So we'll, we'll go there. But with a, if you have a, more of a stinker partner, ex-partner, then it's going to be really important to choose those. And I really don't like the phrase pick your battles because please as much as possible, I'm for avoiding battles with the ex-spouse. We don't want to create that battleground, that elephants fighting analogy. But it does mean you might have to pick some issues and that you're going to have to be ready to go for the long haul. And it might be kind of gross. But it also means you get really wise about going, oh, they're going to pick a fight over every little one. I'm going to let that one, that one, that one, and that one go. Mm-hmm. And be okay with that. Because really, in the grand scheme, you can find a new dentist. Right. But right. yeah, that's not easy. And I just want to say to those of you who are in that situation that you have my empathy because I'm and I understand and I'm aware. So I want to say this. I understand that I might be the anomaly. We've been able to get to a good spot and I know not everybody can. So these are more tips mm-hmm. and tools if you can do it. And then my encouragement to you is if if you can't do it as a team, then you do it. You be the bigger person and you do it where you can because it's not always pleasant and amicable. Like you said, that's just not always the case. Right. So I have a question. Oh, no way. <laughs> I know. You don't say. Shocking. Kira has a question. So I'm curious how you, and if you, you must be aware of how your ex-husband um, introduced new partners or people who didn't become new partners, but mm-hmm. were you were dating because, I ask because my parents did this very differently. Um and I would say one way was very successful and the other way was really not. Oh. Um, so I had my mom, my mom dated a lot after my parents got divorced and I met everyone and I was 13. So mm. you're still young enough to get attached and you're still young enough to, you know, you're not an idiot. You're like, this could be my stepdad. I better get to know him. Yeah. Right. Give him a chance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then they would leave and it was another loss and, and all of that. And my dad did the opposite. I think I met two girlfriends in the entirety Hmm. of whatever that was eight years um that I or seven years that I was still at home so uh, yeah I'm kind of curious how how you did that ask did you have a preference oh yeah I preferred my dad's Mm -hmm. a a million times over yeah it was it was incredibly hard 
to keep losing people. Um, and and it was hard on my moms in my relationship, too. I felt a little bit too involved, oh, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, saying that, though, I also felt a little disconnected from my dad because there were times where he was dating someone and he would say, like, I'm just not ready I, I don't know where it's going, and I'm not going to introduce you until I know where it's going. And and then even though that made sense to me, I felt kind of cut off from mm-hmm. – I lived with him, so I felt kind of cut off from his life a little oh. bit. It's not like he would go out and I would be at home. You know, he saved that for when I was with my mom. But, um, yeah, that was kind of tricky. And I will say that neither of my parents remarried in the end. So I never had the step-parent mm-hmm. experience, which I think probably ultimately really enabled them to keep co-parenting so well because I'm – as you said, it must be significantly more challenging when new partners come on the scene. Sure. So anyway, that was a yeah, long question. Yeah, it, it definitely adds a layer of complexity to have extra extra grown-ups in the mix. But I asked you which you preferred on purpose, and you actually matched my answer. My answer would always be air on the side of not a lot of introducing because it is, and you said this too. See, this is what's so great. You're, you're I mean, an adult child now, but the child of this, and then I'm the parent of mm-hmm. this, and I've never experienced being a child of divorce, and so I love hearing your perspective. But, And I'm not saying I did this perfectly either. My kids met a few people who did not end up being Scott, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so I could have I could have done that better, but my my suggestion would always be err on the side of not introducing until you either know it's going to end in marriage or it's at least headed in a really strong direction, even if you're not. I mean, I'm sure some people just aren't even planning to get married, but they know it's going in a really committed direction or because it is interpreted to the child as yet another in a series of losses. Now I'm kind of getting close to this person. Oh, and now they're out of the picture. That is really hard. And when you've got two parents doing it, That's extra tricky. The other layer that we had that was hard, and again, I have permission to share, but is that there were some times where my ex introduced people and it didn't match what our belief system was either. And so I got hard questions from my kids about, is what daddy's doing okay? Mm. So that was really brutal because then you go back to rule number one, don't say anything negative. But I also have a job to tell my kids the truth of, where, what we believe as Christians, et cetera. So it can get really tricky. And so that's why I would say overall, just keep that to a minimum unless you really know it's headed somewhere. Because there is a point where it makes sense to make sure that's a fit and how does your child interact with the person and and how do, how do they do? Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't already have kids. That happens too, where people get remarried and one or the other of them has not already been a parent. So you kind of need to see how that looks. But I would save it until things are pretty far along, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. My dad, unfortunately, of the two women that I met, um, one of them I, I really liked. I liked them both, actually. I would have been very happy with either one of them. Um, but one of them had kids. And so I was 13, and she had a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I got really attached to the five-year-old. And um, I remember, I'll never forget this, I was doing a play, and my dad had told me that they were splitting up, but they already had tickets to come and see my play. And she, bless her, didn't want to let me down and wanted to fulfill that commitment. Mm. So she came with her five-year-old, and I knew this was going to be the last time I was ever going to see them and this just horrible tearful goodbye with the five-year-old and me and I mean it was just dreadful and it's like it was no one's fault because I think they were very serious and and were it was an appropriate person to introduce me to um but oh my gosh it was just it was terrible well and I didn't even mention that but you're right there there might also be other people you think might be about to become your siblings and then they're taken away from you so just brutal yeah 
Final thoughts? Well, I feel a little bit bad that I didn't come up with some amazing quote for this episode, but here's what I would say. It's a, it's a thought that works for fitness, parenting, whatever, and that is progress over perfection. And I think it's almost no, nowhere more applicable than here because it might be really baby steps on the way to peaceful co-parenting, but take those baby steps, celebrate the victories when you make a little bit of progress. It's not about being the perfect ex-spouse overnight. It, that's probably unrealistic, but progress over perfection, it really, really makes a difference. Awesome. Well, I hope you, our listeners, have uh, gotten some helpful ideas from Dina today. If you are in the middle of a co-parenting situation, whether it's new or it's been around for a while, maybe it's given you some new ideas as well. Um, I just want to say, as I always do, that um, we are super grateful for our listeners and for those of you that are rating and reviewing the podcast. It really does make an enormous difference, uh, those five-star reviews and, and ratings. And, um, and also, those of you that are following us on Instagram or Facebook, we are at Raising Adults Podcast, so you can find us on there. We post some really good quotes and some also just like helpful things that we find we'll repost, so that's a good spot to follow us as well and if you have any questions um, off of this episode if you want to ask Dina more questions about peaceful co-parenting you can email info at futurefocusparenting.com Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in my laundry room music by Seattle band Hannah Lee thanks for listening <laughs>